And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome to Seven Fifty-Five is Real, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project Seventy, celebrating seventy years of Tops baseball cards. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic, with my co-host. Back, Eric O'Flaherty. What's happening, Eric? How you doing, man? I'm pretty good. How you doing, Dave? Doing all right, hanging in there. How's the light in this room? I just uh, realized it might be it. Am I all right? You look great. I didn't know if my light is sun coming through this hotel room. It's hard to adjust. Um. Well, here we are, what, two days? What's this, Tuesday? Wednesday? Three days from the trade deadline, Eric. And things aren't a whole lot more clear than they were the last time we talked about the trade deadline. I am told from people who know that the Braves are still trying to make moves. I know a lot of uh, their fans are getting frustrated by their, by their kind of uh, uh, treading water, if you will. But the fact is they haven't lost any ground on, on the uh, first place Mets. And we saw again last night, anybody that watched the Mets play two games yesterday against the Braves and came away thinking there's no way the Braves can catch them. <laughs> I don't know what you're watching. Cause I, I, I don't think the Mets are that good. They're a good team, but they're certainly catchable as they, as, as unless they go out and make a huge move. No, this isn't the Dodgers or the Astros of a few years back where, right. You couldn't even think about winning your division. I mean, I know it's it's got to be frustrating for people, you know, watching and, and hoping they get back in it, but they're still in it, you know? I mean, there's there's teams that are 10 games over 500 and they're six games back, seven games back. Yeah. You know, so if, you, if you've been watching the team play, it's been frustrating, but they're still in it and there's no clear favorite. I mean, the Mets could have had, you know, a rough April and the Braves would be in first place, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, and and the thing is coming out of the break, we knew this was going to be a brutal stretch. Yeah. All these first place teams or second place, all winning teams. I mean, you you face the Padres, the Rays, the Phillies at home, and now the Mets at home. And the Braves are right where they were. They're playing 500 ball. They win, lose, win, lose. Literally, they alternate of win and loss every game since the All-Star yeah. break. And that's against really good teams or some really good teams and just good teams, but not bad teams. No. So they're not gaining ground, but they're not losing ground. And they're doing it with us, a lot of key guys. And they can look ahead and know that they've got Darno coming back in a, in a, maybe a couple, three weeks. Inoa coming back right after that. Uh, Ian Anderson wasn't hurt bad. So he's uh, throwing again. He's going to be on the mound this week. He could be back with, starting within two weeks. Uh, there's a lot of reason to think the brace are going to get better. And that's, I'm not even taking into account moves, which I think they're going to make a move or two. They're trying to, uh, how significant it'll be. It'll be, I don't know, but I think they will add at least one reliever. And I know they're trying to add a bat. They really need to add a bat. I mean, the bottom half of the line yeah. is, 
the fact that they're playing as well as they are with the bottom four guys in their lineup, including the pitcher, being uh, such mediocre to bad hitters is uh, is impressive. The fact that they're still in it without Acuna. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, I was watching yesterday, and the the bottom half of that lineup was something like you know, zero for eight with five strikeouts. Plenty, yeah. of, plenty of bats that that mattered, and that's hard, man. When you can't, when you when you get to that bottom half of the lineup and it's just like you're just turning an inning over. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to win like that. I mean, that, yeah. and that was what made the team so good last year was there yeah. was just no breaks. The depth of that lineup last year. I mean, you had, you had at various times, you had guys like Ozzy and Dansby and Riley in the bottom half of the lineup last year. Yeah. Um, the inning, I think last night you probably referenced was the, they started an inning with two singles and then they went to the bottom half of the order, strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. It's like, yep. you know, two singles start the end. They didn't even move them over, you know, didn't do anything. So, but, uh, I mean, there's, it's frustrating as hell, but I know there's, but there's a lot to like, like I said about not just what's coming back, but I'm, I'm really impressed by what Toussaint's done in his two starts coupled with his last two rehab starts, which were dynamic and then what Mueller has done. I've seen enough Mueller now, five starts, to think there's nothing fluky about what he's doing, and I'm not worried that he's going to regress to being, you know, a six, seven walk guy like he was at times in the minors. This guy looks like he's figured some things out, and his stuff is really nasty. He's not overthrowing. You know, I know that when I watch him. I don't, he sits 93, 94, 95, and mm-hmm. you know he's got 96, 97 in the tank, but – I mean, the, the the best example of him just staying within himself yesterday was when he faced Alonzo, and I think it was the bottom of the fifth, and that was the whole game on the line. Yeah, yeah. You got first pitch breaking ball, and, you know, remember Leo Mazzoni talking about superpower and how pitchers get in those big situations. They try to be better. They try to do more. Mm-hmm. First pitch breaking ball. Yeah, first pitch breaking ball in that situation. You don't want it to get hurt when you're thinking you got to get a swing and miss if, if you're too amped up. Yeah, And he didn't overthrow it. He just threw the same breaking ball he's been throwing all game, down in the zone, got a ground ball, double play, get out of the inning. Um, you know, that that for me, he's showing that maturity as a pitcher that I think has derailed a few other dudes that have come up when they've, when they've got just as good as stuff and they get in those jams and they start trying to throw too hard or nibble, uh, yeah. they get out of attack mode. That for me has been the most impressive thing is even when he's been – kind of on his heels a little bit. He still stayed within himself and just focused on making pitches. Yeah, you don't see him rearing back and, and trying to throw 99, trying to hit 100 miles an hour. He's not glancing up at the scoreboard to see how hard he's throwing. Uh, none of those things you worry about young guys coming up. And and he's sitting right at like 94, 95 instead, yeah. and he's such a better pitcher when he does that. Um, I, I've just been nothing but impressed, and and he's ballsy, man. He does not back down. He had a couple of moments last night. That one you said, and and when he struck out, uh, when he struck out the polar bear, uh, he he had two big jams in the third and fifth innings that he got out yep. of unscathed. So just uh, impressive to see him, and to come back from the San Diego start, the one five days earlier, where he threw like eighty nine pitches in four innings, and he said after that game, that's not going to work. I mean. I'm proud of myself for the damage control I had. Yeah. That's encouraging, but I can't throw 90 pitches in four innings. So that's going to get fixed before the next start. And he did it. He came back and was much more efficient last night. Uh, so 75 and went five innings, you know, 
I just expected such a meathead when you were when you were telling me about his weightlifting, you know, all yeah. this all this stuff is doing. I was just, you know, I didn't get too excited about him because I figured it'd just be another guy coming up, throwing it as hard as he can, walking guys, doing the up and down thing. But it's been it's been really refreshing and fun to watch a guy just come up and pitch, even yeah. with the stuff he has. Yeah, and the thing is, the timing couldn't have been much better for the Braves. I mean, as far as they're having to get by without Ian Anderson, key part of everything they're doing. Um, they've had to get by without Enoa for over two months. They thought they were going to have Soroka back midseason, so they yep. thought they'd have Soroka right now, you know, back in form, hey, that he'd be like a month into it and be back being Soroka. That none of those things have happened. And so these guys stepping in right now has been crucial because – the rotation keeps plugging along. The rotation has actually been a strength for the last month or two. You know, yeah. Charlie's pitching great. Smiley has pitched great after his first two bad months. Um, uh, Freitas, you know, since his IL stint, the second one has been fine. He's pitched really well. Great couple of games and really good as others. And then you add Toussaint and Muller, and all of a sudden you're looking at actual depth. When you get Anderson back, you got six guys. And then yeah. you add Enoa. And it's going to allow you to put Enoa in the pen so he won't have to spend three or four weeks getting stretched out to start. So he could really help that pen, which needs some help. They yeah. need to get they need to add a, a reliever or two at the at the deadline, I think. But at least you, you also know you're going to add Enoa. And Enoa could be big in that pen, man. Oh, yeah. he's He's got the confidence to pitch. I could see him pitch setting up, you know, throwing late in games, big situations. He's definitely got that confidence. And he's Which coming matters. back from a hand thing, not an arm thing. So, I mean, it shouldn't take him a long time, I wouldn't think, to get back once he's once he you know makes some rehab appearances or whatever and comes back. It's not like he's coming back from his shoulder or elbow, right? Where he's going to alter his mechanics. I mean, I don't know how how it would affect you gripping the ball or what you change, you know, in in that area. But it's not like you know. A lot of times, you come back from a shoulder or elbow injury, you start tweaking your mechanics and and favoring yeah. the injury. Yeah. I would. I mean, I would think you wouldn't have to favor it too much. I, I think I just uh, my, the point. I think is my point is that with Toussaint and Mueller doing what they're doing, I think you've given you enough reason to be confident that they can continue this. You know now that you can add Enoa, who is going to be uh, who's pitching a game today at the complex down in Florida, his first game since the since the broken hand. You know now that you've got a reliever coming in Enoa. I think you should focus, you can focus more on getting that bat and maybe one reliever at the deadline, but you don't have to get up, go out and find two relievers or three relievers because they really need to add a bat, man. If they think it up, a bat and a decent reliever, you know, good. Well, if you had one bat and then you get Darno back, you know, I mean, that that really changes the bottom of the lineup. As good as those veteran catchers have done calling games and helping guys like vote last night. Mm-hmm. Really did a good job calling that game. Um, as much as those guys have helped and filled, you know, the gap until you get back Darno. When you get Darno back, you get offense. Right now, you it's not like an automatic out from your catchers, or, or yeah. you know, maybe, maybe a single here, or single there, but uh, they're not giving you much at all offensively. And Darno, if he can do what he did last year, come close to that when when he was a so when he's the best hitting catcher in the league last year. People forget just because he started a little slow this year. But he had started to come around before he got hurt. So we'll see where he is. But uh, I talked to him in Philly, and he looked good. I mean, physically, he looks good. He looks strong. He's kept everything strong. He, you know, he didn't have atrophy or anything because he kept working on that, doing everything 
uh, as soon as he could work the left arm, he did. So, you know, but he was doing arm stuff even when the finger was, and he, when he wasn't able to use the hand. So, yeah, you wouldn't, you couldn't look at him and tell that he's coming back from, you know, it's, it's like his arm isn't thin or anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> sometimes, man, sometimes, you know, bad. they look like little noodles hanging off and the yep. other one looks normal. Yeah. So, yeah, the game with Toussaint, uh, I thought, I thought Tukey at, at, at Philly on Sunday, man, that was like a coming out party. And they lost the game because Aranola, it's like Aranola again. He has struggled yeah. at times this year, but Aranola looked great. But Toussaint went pitch for pitch with him, man, for seven innings. One run bought 10 strikeouts with no walks. I mean, he was, he was nasty. He was throwing some curveballs that uh, Reese Hoskins was walking back to the dugout, shaking his head, going, okay. All right, kid. And then and then Bryce Harper, same thing, flailing at that curveball, that sweeping curveball he has that breaks off the plate. The first time through the order, those guys look lost against that thing. Yeah. And then he gave up a couple of hits to start the second time, but he settled back in, which was really encouraging and did fine after that. Seventh inning, he, he, fifth, sixth, and seventh inning, he had two strikeouts apiece in those innings, which I thought was a really big sign for a guy that's kind of struggled that second, third time through the order. Well, yeah, especially that second or third time through. You know, when yeah. they've seen it, they know what he's working with. Mm-hmm. I think for me, you know, when I've seen Tukey struggle, it's it's just been kind of nibbling, and and that's a hard – it's a hard lesson to learn. You know, if you've been hit hard a few times, you'll see guys kind of resort back to that. But he's got the stuff to to challenge guys and come after them, and no walks. I mean, he's, he's forcing yeah. them to swing the bat. And when you're behind in the count, they can eliminate that curveball. Once you get ahead and they have to respect the fastball and then it's a curveball, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a whole different world when you're just in that attack mode and coming after hitters. Mahler, he struck out Alonzo and, and Conforto consecutively with two on in the third inning, then got that double play in the fifth. Yep. Um, not R- Riley made a real nice play on that one. Um, Muller said of those situations, he goes, that was awesome. That's what you want. I mean, I want to be in those situations. I want to have those now so that hopefully by the end of the year, I'm even more comfortable in that situation. But, I mean, he talks about it so excited. It's like a kid, man. He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, this kid is really – he's got a lot of energy and a lot of confidence, man. He's not at all scared of these moments. Well, that's that's the mindset you have to have. You know, you have to want to be there. If you get in those situations and you don't want to be there – yeah it's a wrap. You're going to get hit. You know, anytime you're timid or scared or trying to do too much, but I heard a quote the other day, I heard a guy who was a, a basketball coach saying pressure is a privilege. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, that's, you work so hard to be in those situations yeah. and it's a privilege to get to, you know, work through them. But that, that mindset right there, you know, just putting that spin on it, that, that pressure is a privilege, you know, not, not something that's forced on you. Yeah. Um, that's the mindset you have to have. And it seems like, you know, it's impressive for me, his first year in the big leagues to already be embracing those situations and wanting to be in them. And, you know, some guys yeah. say that and then they give it up every time. You're like, I yeah. don't know if you mean this, but when he keeps getting out of it, it's a, it's a pretty easy sell. He struck out Conforto swinging at a slider and a 10 pitch at bat. Conforto yeah. had fouled off five straight pitches and then took ball three. And then uh, Muller said, I finally threw the good slider to Conforto on 3-2, which I was trying to throw about six pitches earlier. He said, I was really excited about that. That was a big moment in the game right there. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Toussaint, one three two one three two ERA and two starts, fifteen strikeouts with two walks and thirteen and two third innings, and this was after the two starts at Gwinnett. See, he'd been on the IL since late since he ended spring training with a shoulder scapula strain. It was it was like a grade two. It was a, it was it was not just a little bit of inflammation. It was a pretty bad strain. So, but he'd been on the IL, came back, made a few rehab starts, and the last two. At Gwinnett, he really turned it up, and that's when they said he's ready. But uh, he's got uh, – when you combine those last two with the first two in the bigs, that is – I had these numbers right here. I mean, the, it, it, it's it's wow. It's like the strikeouts to walks is through the roof. Uh, let me see where this is. Now, oh, well, I have that right there, but. So that's uh, I mean, this is the guy that they had waiting for. This is the guy that the Arizona drafted in the first round seven years ago when he was seventeen years old, and then they traded him to the Braves when the Braves p- paid uh, like ten million of Arroyo's contract when he was done. They basically bought Tukey. They got Tukey yeah. in that deal. They paid ten million dollars for a first round pick, and this is how highly they thought of him at the time uh, when Copy was the uh, GM. He's finally looks like that guy that everybody had projected. And he's still only 24 years old, man. Yeah, and that's what makes it so tough because two months ago, if you would have said we're trading Tukey, people would have said, okay, yeah, it's about time. But then a guy pitches like this, and and do you want to cash in on that and watch him go do this somewhere else and and look like an idiot? Or do you, you know, I mean, if I was a GM in in that position, it'd be – you, you got to believe in your scouts, I guess, but it'd be so hard to make that decision on him right now because his stock's finally, like, he's finally showing what he can do, but there's no way you can trade him pitching like that. No way. No way. Yeah. This is what you waited for. So if you traded yeah. him, you'd be like, you 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 went through all the bad times with him and yeah. and the rehabs and all that, and now you're going to trade him and let him, you've developed him, let him go somewhere else and we've figured things out? No. I think you pencil him into rotation for next year, man. Him and yeah. Muller both. Yep. Um, Muller, by the way, one nine zero. He 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 made his debut as a reliever in that game against Boston. Gave up four hits, two runs. It was like okay, you could tell he was like nervous and and yeah. overthrowing in that game. Then he comes back. His next game is a starter. He's made five starts in his five starts. He's one nine zero ERA. He's allowed eleven hits, five runs, one homer, thirteen walks, twenty five strikeouts, and twenty three and two thirds innings. The walks are a little high, but nothing like he had in the minors. And when the hits are that low, you can live with that. Yeah. Giving up, his whip is really low. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the whip. Um, walks will catch up with you at some point, but he can keep he could keep tuning that in. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it's the same thing, you know, that that just shows again that the stuff's there and he, he should have the confidence to challenge guys if he's only given up that many hits. Um, but I mean, he's been, he's been really impressive in his stuff. You know, I didn't know he had those breaking balls when, yeah. when he was coming up. Cause all you hear about is the fastball, right? Cause a hundred miles an hour. That's all you hear. Yep. Over and over. And everybody, you know, I don't even get excited about it because it seems like right. everybody they call up now, you know, I want to see him pitch. But even his, his first start he made when I saw him throwing two different breaking balls yeah, and they were tight and hard and late, I was like, all right, this dude's got a shot. Yeah, his slaughter and his curveball is what's going to make him great, not not yeah. the fact that he can throw upper 90s. Yep. Um, Dansby had a great quote. He said, we always knew the stuff was good. It was just a matter of getting it over the white thing laying on the ground. He's done a great job with that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, cause they'd seen this guy like in spring training and shit, you know, and they'd heard about him and everything when they see him in spring training and it's just throwing, and he's throwing a hundred and everybody's like, cool. That's great. But until he yeah. get those strikes, he's not going to help us. So that's the big, uh, that's the big developments for the Braves. I think in the last few weeks, uh, obviously the, 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 the devastating development was Acuna's injury, but to see Tucson and, and, and Muller come along has been really big. And obviously Freddie, I mean, since Freddie's first, month and a half the guys flipped the switch and he's Freddie Freeman again and and if he keeps this up the rest of the season he's going to be back in the MVP talk again I know. You know I mean I know, I know Tatis has got 30 homers and all that but if Freeman does this and somehow the Braves win the division because he's put the offense on his shoulders especially since Cunha got hurt his numbers are crazy man well yeah I mean he was hitting he was hitting around 200 a month and a half into the season. 195. Yeah. Uh, here's here's his uh, here's his numbers that I had right on Tucson, by the way, including his uh, including his last two starts at Gwinnett and his first two against the Padres and Phillies. Two good lineups, by the way. You yeah. know, it's not like he's facing the Pirates. Uh, yeah. Uh, or D-backs or whatever. He's got, uh, in those four starts, he's got 33 strikeouts and six walks in 25 and two-thirds innings. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you when you tell me he's having these great starts at AAA, I don't get too excited. Right. But, you know, you want to see it in the big leagues. But coming up and doing the same thing, you know, that that's telling you that for a guy like with his stuff, it doesn't really matter what league he's playing in. Yeah. You know, it's it's just about making pitches and and, and competing. The other, the other big thing for the weekend was Smiley's knee. You know, he, he left that game after four innings with some uh, knee pain, tightness that he'd never felt before. But MRI was fine, and he's throwing again. I mean, he didn't miss any time, and he's supposed to make his start here against the Mets. So that's huge when you consider how well he's pitched. I know everybody gave up on him earlier, and he's still got a bad taste in their mouths from how all the homers he gave up early. Fact is, listen to these numbers. He's 5-0 and with a 2-4-0 ERA and a 6-67 opponent's OPS. His last eight starts, Braves won seven of those games. He was 2-3 and with a 5-9-8 ERA and an 8-60 opponent's OPS in his first nine starts. Braves lost seven of those games. He's given up three homers in 41 and a third innings in his last eight starts after giving up 14 homers in 46 and two-thirds in his first nine. <laughs> he's like this day. he's like the starting pitcher version of of luke jackson <laughs> you know, i don't if he he could go he could 
he could probably finish the year with a one six ERA in the second half, and there'd still yeah. be an amount of people that that don't believe exactly <laughs> that don't trust him that are waiting for him to have one bad start and go. And see, I told see, you, yeah. 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 yeah, that's, that's how it goes. So you got to embrace that as a player. Uh, Freddie was hitting 195 with a 733 OPS on May 7th after 31 games, right? And Chipper told him, hey, you know, I had a season where I hit 240 or whatever. And Freddie was like, <laughs> I don't want to have a season where I hit 245 with 30 home runs. And it was like, we're, at the time we're thinking, well, you might have to accept that. <laughs> but yeah. he, he knows himself better than we do because – <laughs> he, if you look at his numbers now, you would never know that he started back because his numbers are like right where they should be. That's how good he's been since. He's uh, 68 games since then. He's hit 333 with a 425 OBP, 989 OPS, 16 homers, 40 ribbies, 40 walks, 50 strikeouts, and 299 plate appearances. And the thing is, He's gotten better as they've gone as they've gone gone on deeper and deeper, and especially yeah. since Acuna got hurt. Last twenty eight games, listen to these stats, man: four nineteen, seven homers, five hundred OBP, over twenty eight games. It's like softball, man, like college baseball. <laughs> A six seventy six slugging and an eleven seventy six OPS over twenty eight games. I feel like he has a slump every year. You know, I feel like it, but one of the things about baseball is it's always better to have that slump in August or June, you know, once your numbers are kind of established, you know, anytime you start off a season shitty and in a slump, yeah, everybody's going to think you finally are are done. And that's one of the, that's one of the biggest obstacles as a player too, is just, you know, quieting that noise, not, not listening to it and sticking with your plan. Yeah. Him him being around long enough, I think it was probably pretty easy for him to just stick with his game plan. No, he was still hitting the, hitting the ball hard, but all that outside noise, when you start a year off in a slump is it's hard to deal with, but he's, you know, I mean, this is what he does every year. His numbers look like every other year right now. He, uh, by the way, he talked about early on, we were talking about how unlucky he was and everybody's like rolling their eyes, you know, people that maybe don't believe in Babbitt and all that, that kind of thing. But other players were saying he's hitting the ball as hard as ever, you yeah. know, but people just want results. Well, look at this, consider this. He's got a 361 batting average on balls in play in those last 68 games. That is literally double what he had in his first 31 yeah. games. When he hit 195, his BABIP in those games was 181. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's what's hard because that's everybody always says that, you know, it'll even out. And some years it just doesn't. But most years, you know, I mean, he's starting to get some cheap hits too. Right, and, and, right. and some balls are falling in. Dribblers in the infield, he's beating out, little stuff like that. And it is evening out, but – it's hard to believe in that and not start changing things when you see that 195 up on the scoreboard. Yeah. Um, man, what do you think about Dansby? We've talked about him. He's got, he's really, you know, he went through that bad stretch and he's, and he's hit a lot better lately. Um, his, he made that play last night, that backhand play, that mm-hmm. really terrific pick, man, to start that double yeah. play, a big double play, obviously, to end it. You know, I know metrically people say his metrics are not good defensive, but I, I was talking about this with Mark Bowman last night. That's the one analytics which I've not come around to is defensive metrics because while you look at some war, defensive war or defensive run saved or range factors, 
some guys you go, yeah, that's right. That he is that other guys you look at and go, huh? That's not the guy I'm watching. And I'll be a dinosaur here because to me, defensive, I trust, I trust the eye test on defensive more than I do defensive metrics. Watching a guy, if I can watch him play every day, I trust that more than I do at looking at metrics. Yeah, one of the things, remember we had Mark Simon on, he was talking about they have somebody watch the game and decide if the guy should have made the play or not. Right. Um, I don't know. I've always struggled with it just because you, it, the defensive positioning is so huge. Yes. You know, it, it where the guy starts and all that. And I just yeah. – I don't know how – he's confident in it. You know, I mean, he said they take that into account. But it's a tough one because Freddie never scores that well either. And, and for me, it's like I don't know if I'd take any first baseman over Freddie. Well, last night I, – I, I say that because Mark asked uh, uh, Snit a question about Dansby's defense. And somebody immediately said on Twitter, Dansby's got below average and this yeah. or whatever the metric was. And I'm looking at Mark and I going, say what you want about Dansby at the offense because it needs help. I mean, he's below average offensively a lot of the times. Um, but his defense is strong, man. I think he's one of the better shortstops in the league defensively. I, I just do. I'm not saying he's the best. Snit thinks he should win a gold glove. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he's top top half, top You'd five. You'd never watch him and think, like, man, you know, for a shortstop, he's not that good defense. You know, right. he's I really mean, good. even – even talking about his bat, you know, when you talk about his bat, I'm like, yeah, but he's a shortstop. You know, right. it, when he's not raking, he's still – Right. Shortstop's supposed to be defensive first, you know, and if he was down seven, eight in the lineup versus having to move up because right. it's so thin. Unfortunately, that's changed. The whole perception of shortstops has changed so much in the last 10 yeah. years because you're getting so many good hitters at short now, you know? Yeah. Used to, you could get by a short. I mean, like the Ozzie Smiths of the world hitting – 250 your whole career and yeah. you know never hitting for power um dansby strikes out way too much uh i think and his obp of 296 is way too low um he does have a career high 17 homers though he's giving you some big hits and he's played all 100 games league leader he's out there that's big that I mean, is big. guys that play every day is big man he wants to play every day and he's He's had some injuries in the past, so he's showing that when he's healthy, he wants to play every day. Yeah. That said, I don't know if he's your guy long term or not. I Brazic got to decide that. Can he? Is there more there offensively? Because he shows signs of it, but he's hitting two forty with a two ninety six OBP, and he's third in the league in strikeouts with a hundred and thirteen. That's a lot of strikeouts, man, in three hundred seventy five at bats for a shortstop. He's yeah. I wonder if he's just embracing the way guys. Yeah, get get paid now and, yeah. and get jobs. You know, could I mean, be if you play solid defense at shortstop and hit thirty homers. Yep, he went to Vandy. He's smart, so maybe yeah. that's it. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's just like, you know what? I, I tried grinding at bats and I hit two seventy one one year. Nobody cared because I hit ten. Yeah, I'm getting thirty this year. I think you could do a lot worse. In other words, I think you can win championship with him there if you have you oh, know, yeah. plenty of other guys. He gives you a lot. He gives you a lot of intangibles, that kind of thing. You know he's going to play. You know he's not going to cause any problems. He's going to embrace his teammates, you know, and all that. So they got to decide, obviously. I mean, it's only now that they've waited to give him an extension. It's I don't even know where they are with that, what they're going to do. But uh, Somebody will pay him. Yeah, know, he's going to have a long career. There's no he makes doubt. it to free agency. Somebody's going to pay him. Yeah, he's not going to get you know $100 million or anything, but he's going to get a good contract. You never know. He's not that old. No, it's not. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I uh, wanted to ask you real quick. Uh, this is the 10th year anniversary today of the Jerry Mills call at the plate. The Pirate Game, the 1980 game. This is it. The 10-year anniversary. That was right. That was today, huh? Yeah, July twenty seventh. All, all I remember <laughs> about that game is Clint Hurdle's face turning purple. <laughs> it wasn't even red; it was purple. I thought he's gonna. I thought he was gonna physically assault him. Yeah, that's. I that was enough. Just ready to go home. <laughs> Jerry Mills. They say you know the other ump said you know we looked at the replay afterwards and we all thought you know with the naked eye that he missed the call and afterwards we're looking at it going. I don't know. Did he tag him? Because, you know, people have super slow-moed it. He yeah. said that he actually, if you look, uh, that somebody made a point, and I do believe this. If he made the same call today and they looked at it on replay, would they would overturn. not overturn it, <laughs> which would make uh, it even worse probably, you know? That would make it even worse. But they would be- not be able to say there is uh, irrefutable evidence to overturn that. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a crazy game. What it was that? Like the nineteenth inning. Twice. Yeah. Where? What were you? What do you remember about it? You're obviously in the bullpen. No, I pitched that game. I pitched like seven innings before that, or ten innings before that. You're one of the eight pitchers the Braves used in that game. Yeah, and I think Christian Martinez might have gone six innings, six. and then and he then Proctor six. was in. Seymour <laughs> coming through. He <laughs> he was ideal long man because you could just beat the crap out of him, and he was always into it. Six um, any relief appearance. 
And I think, you know, I think he might have got a hit in that game, but I know Proctor did. Yeah, he got um, the game when it hit. That yep, was him. And, yep. And do you remember what he did when he hit it? He fell down. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> the other the pitcher was yelling to the catcher to to tag Proctor. Yep. But the catcher's too worried about arguing with the up. He's going, what? You know, because the call. <laughs> he's thinking the game, you know, he's, he's not worried about the double play because <laughs> the he sees the safe call. <laughs> I would love to see what happened if that play was reviewed because you're probably right. They probably wouldn't overturn it. Right. But I can't imagine anybody ever making that call. You know, that's one well, they time. Well, they wouldn't overturn it, but it would be out. Right. Right, that would be out. out 99.9%. Because with the naked eye, there's no way you could justify that with the naked eye. He could not see that whether, you know, it looked like he tagged him twice, but certainly once, you know. His slide barely even made it to the plate. No, it's it's, it's insane. I remember we're sitting there in the press box watching it going, what? What?" We were too. We were too because we were like, shit, I guess we won. But I don't even want to win like that. It was two in the morning, man. It's two in the morning. I remember, and it was so much to write about that game. I remember driving home, and I distinctly remember when I got home, the sun was just starting to come up, and there were people eating breakfast at McDonald's near my house. It was like five five thirty. Damn, because <laughs> there was a lot to write about in that game. That was back in the day, man. At the newspaper, we were writing a ton of stuff about that game. You know, you had to get the umpire, the pool reporter, from the getting the umpire and both sides talking about it. And, it was crazy. And remember the little girl mm. yelling for the pirates all night long? Oh, yeah, yeah. She had the sign. People on people on TV were like, who is that yelling? The whole game. <laughs> A lot of them thought it was an old lady or somebody. It was a little girl. <laughs> she was yelling nonstop, man. <laughs> yeah. I was watching the Mariners game while I was trying to watch it, but I blacked out. But I was watching some of it. They had they had a game that reminded me of that Brooks Conrad game last night. They were down seven nothing and wound up hitting a, a grand slam in the bottom yeah. of the eighth to go ahead. They kind of got one of those teams, and that's the thing. They're I think they're six games over five hundred, and they're still six games back. Yeah, you know, and in just a tougher division. But I was watching that. It reminded me of that Brooks Conrad game. That's the one that I I always think of when I just think of those teams we had and how much fun it was. Was Brooksy hitting that opposite field home run to walk them off? Against uh, the Reds? Yeah. What was that, nine nine runs in the ninth inning? How many runs? I think it was eight nothing. I think it was eight nothing when we came back. Wow. Yeah, Jerry Mills uh, got death threats after that. Somebody published his home address and phone number on the internet. Oof. Said he had, like, security at home, but on the road, he was, like, he'd get relentless. People were relentless on the road and everything. I mean, okay. I, I think he told himself, "Is this if there's any way I can call anybody safe to end this game?" <laughs> exactly. That's that, what was we said. Like, that was predetermined that I want to go home. Uh, it, if he did that to the Pirates right now, I don't think he'd get death threats. People would be like, "Yeah, whatever. That was stupid." <laughs> well, yeah. Not many people be up watching it for one thing. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it's the ten year anniversary of the Jerry Mills call. There was a good. Nesbitt, our, one of our, our reporter in Pittsburgh, wrote a real good story about it. So if you guys want to go online and read it, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, good stuff from all the characters involved. Proctor didn't even know. Wasn't he supposed to pitch that day? Hey, I think he was down, but yeah. 19 innings. <laughs> You're an old vet. 
and you're pitching for Bobby Cox. He ain't bringing in a position player. <laughs> no, it was Freddie. I think it was Freddie. Oh, Freddie. That's that right. Was, yeah, that yeah, 11. 10 years ago. Yeah, that was yeah. already Freddie. Yeah. Freddie, that's the year you replaced him, right? Yep. First year with Freddie. Yeah, when you're an old, when you're a vet too, it's like, I know we told you we were down, but we're going to need you to get some spikes on. <laughs> we don't care if we break you. Oh, man. All right. Well, three more games here in New York. And we keep saying this, but the season's coming down to this. It is like it's coming down to it, coming down to it, and get, keeps getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And now we're in this funnel. It's at the end of the funnel, and it is three games are going to, to uh, I don't know if it's going to decide these three whether the Braves make a move or not because I think they've already decided they're trying to make moves. They're just not going to, you know, they're not going to go, uh, they're not going to give away a ton of prospects, but they never were, you know. They're going to try to win now, but also do something that helps them for the future. In other words, get guys that are under contractual control. But if they can make a big move to get a guy that's under control for next year, I think they'd do it. I just don't think they're going to give up any the very elite prospects, but. You might not have to. That that Cronenworth trade to San I know, Diego. Man. It's like some of these guys are getting moved for Fraser trade. Lot less. Fraser trade. Lot less than you think they would get. Fraser, yeah. You thought he he would draw at least a, a one really elite prospect or two. Ain't happening. So but I don't think Fraser people think Fraser's an elite player anyway. He's having a really great year. Yeah. But you know, he's not a guy that's gonna, you know win MVP or hit 40 home runs or anything. He's a really good player, but no, but any, you know, any, it used to be any legit, yeah, especially an all-star, any legit major league yeah. player, you were getting yeah. something for him. And Just started in the all-star game. Yeah. And he's got under control too. It's not even a free mm-hmm. agent. I just think back to, to the, to share a trade and how that nobody is wants like, to do that ever again. It'll never yeah. happen. I mean, if it happened <laughs> right now, people would be like, Oh my God, the general manager was drunk, you know? Which is what we thought when Copy made the trade uh, the night that they fleeced the Diamondbacks and got yeah, yeah, Dansby and Ender. I mean that trade still looks incredibly one sided, but it doesn't look as one sided as it did a few years ago when Ender was an All Star and Dansby was looking like he's you know on the way up to becoming an All Star shortstop himself. But it still was incredibly well, I mean, one sided. The, the play you already got out of those guys, though. Yeah, exactly. You, know? you got three good years out of Ender. You know? Yeah. And you've got solid play out of Dansby. So, yeah, it was – it led to Dave Stewart getting fired. So, all right. Well, we'll do this again on uh, either Friday at, right after the trade deadline. We'll figure it out. We're not going to do it Friday morning because we're not. there's no sense doing it as the trade deadline's going. So, we'll see. After the dust is cleared, we'll discuss where the Braves are and uh, what's, what, what's ahead for the rest of the season. 755 is real. We're out. <laughs>